Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Jennifer Vosberg, VP of Marketing at Tago. Jennifer, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jeremy. I'm very excited to be here. It's great to have you. So tell us a little bit about your background as a marketer and about Tago. Sure. I've been in marketing almost my entire career. I got into it when I was very young and kind of fell in love with it because nothing is ever the same. Every day is different. So I've worked for a variety of companies, including an engineering consulting firm. I worked in the NASCAR industry, the security industry, and I've worked in IT for the last six years. Tago is a Raleigh-based engineering technology company. We offer a variety of solutions, including our private hosted cloud solution, cloud consulting, and security audit and compliance solutions. Okay, thanks for that. Yeah. Now, I know that you guys have had a lot of success with in-person events. Mm-hmm. But as we all know, COVID has forced, you know, mo- a lot of events online or at least partially online. I think maybe like we thought it was going to go back a little bit to more in person and now Omicron is here and you know who knows in any yeah. case in person events are not what they not the same so what have been some of the biggest challenges for you and for your team in planning virtual events and kind of making that pivot from everyone's together in the big conference center to we're all looking at each other on a computer <laughs> Yeah, you know, virtual events are just not the same as physical events. I think we can all agree that we're tired of Zoom meetings, we're tired of meeting virtually, and you just don't get the same level of engagement as you do when you're attending something in person. There are some ways to kind of get around this. You know, we've done things like tried to create virtual types of environments that are fun. So for example, we did a virtual wine tasting at a different place that I was at before I came to Tago. We do a lot of webinars and webinars can be a little bit of a burnout too, but I think what's critical here is making sure that you're keeping the audience engaged. And so how do we do that? We do things like give away gift cards during the event, during a pop quiz, or we incentivize people for attending. Um, We make sure that we're really targeting the right people to have that conversation with. And then, you know, once the event is over, you still have to promote it. So promoting the recorded version of the webinar, using your social media platforms to really push that content out there is what's critical. I can't wait to get back to in-person events full-time, though. I'll tell you that. Do you think that they'll come back full-time? I do. I think, you know, right now it's a little sketchy because the numbers are so high, but I do think that there's a little bit of a caveat to this. There are some people that are like, you know what? I'm cool working from home. I don't want to go out to events. I can do everything I need to do virtually. And then you have a crowd that really wants to get back out there and be in person. And so a lot of the conferences that we are attending this year and even attended in the fall were pretty well promoted and you know well attended in the fall. And they're definitely taking the steps to make sure that they're protecting the attendees, taking all the proper precautions to make sure that everybody is safe and healthy and trying to get back to doing in-person business because especially in IT, like you've got to be face-to-face with some of these guys to have that critical conversation and to do business. And you're just not going to get that level of engagement virtually. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. I think most people would agree, right? It's (laughs) just not the same. And 
for I I guess for reasons that are kind of obvious. And like one thing that we've all learned through a kind of global experiment that's been forced upon us is that face to face in the same room interaction is premium, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe we already kind of suspected that, but it's hard to know without not being able to do it for a sustained amount of time. And, you know, and it was definitely true for learning like in school, right? For like younger Mm -hmm. children. And even I have college age kids, like they started college during COVID and it it sucked, you know, but now it's back in person. It's a sea change. I think same thing for conferences. Like if, if we ever thought like, well, maybe virtual, the virtual world would be just as good. I think, no, I think we've all learned it's just not at all. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think you just, whether it's virtual remote learning or, you know, virtual meetings, it's just not the same. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if virtual has, virtual arguably at least has maybe some advantages, right? Like one that comes to mind is more people can attend, Mm -hmm. right? Because you can, you know, you don't have to travel to the place. So wherever you are in the world, you can pop in via your screen (laughs) I mean, to your mind, to what extent is that an actually a valuable advantage? Like, does it help at least partly mitigate the lack of engagement that you get online compared to in person? Yeah, there's a little bit of that, especially if you're a national company. Like, I'll give you an example. Last year, I was with a, a national MSP, and typically we had hosted this event in person in our Raleigh location. But you know, given the fact that we had to do it virtually because of COVID, it gave us the opportunity to allow anybody to attend. So we were reaching a broader audience instead of just limiting it to people who were in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. So I think there are some benefits to doing things virtually. It gives you the opportunity and the ability to expand your audience capability. It also gives you the, um, opportunity to reshare that content and to use it over and over again on all of your platforms, whether it's website or social media. I think the level of engagement is what's tricky because you can have a virtual meeting open on your laptop and be working on something else and half paying attention. So there's pros and cons to doing both of them. You just have to, when you're building out that strategy for the event, you have to consider all the options and figure out how you're going to navigate some of the cons for doing a virtual event. Yeah. You know, the virtual events that I've attended, it took me a while to realize this, but finally I realized one of the most distracting things by far when I'm on Zoom was looking at myself. Mm-hmm. It, you know, like <laughs> it just defaults to like, oh, there you are alongside everybody else, yeah. which is totally weird and alien because <laughs> obviously in person, you're not, you don't have a mirror in front mm-hmm. of your face and constantly looking at yourself. So I've, recently at least tried to turn it off, you know, and that Mm -hmm. helps a little bit. But I mean, can you, are there other things like that, that you can think of just like little kind of simple technology things that can make, that can make at least some difference? Sure. So if as an attendee, anytime that I'm doing something virtually, I try to mute my notifications, whether it's in my messaging app or my email on my cell phone. You know, if you have an iPhone, they have this great feature now called focus where you can just turn it on and you won't get the notifications. You won't even see them in your lock, your lock screen because we as humans are easily distracted. And then, you know, minimizing your camera. So you're not looking at yourself because that is a huge distraction too. 
that's uh, a way as an attendee that I try to stay engaged with whoever is doing the event because they've taken the time as an event planner. I can respect that they've taken the time to plan the event, put the content together, you know, get it out there to the masses. So the least I can do is be engaged as the person hosting the event. I try to, you know, exercise those same types of guidelines with my team, like make sure you're, if your camera's on, that you're paying attention, that you're not messing around in another application, that you're engaged with the event. I find that doing rehearsals with our team, like anytime we do a mm. webinar, the rehearsals are critical because it helps us get on the same page about the flow and the content of yeah. the event and making sure that the presenter is well rehearsed for the actual live event. And I'm just, I'm very blessed and lucky that I have good presenters at Tago and some of the partners that I've worked with, like they've been in the industry for a long time. And it makes my job a lot easier when I don't have to coach people on how to present. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I've been to plenty of live events where in a given session, it's not super engaging. And it's mm -hmm. always almost always because the presenter just isn't that great. You know, like yeah. they're, they're, there's no showmanship, like they don't, they're just not a great presenter. Mm -hmm. And that's just exacerbated online, of course. So I would think another strategy for any for everyone doing events online is really super duper make sure that the presenters are really dynamic. I mean, you have to dial it up even more, just given the, you know, what we've been talking about, it's already less engaging, people are distracted. So you you cannot have a presenter who's dull or not like really good at at doing the thing, you know, putting on a bit of a show. Yes, I would, I would go so far as to say that virtual events are a little bit more stressful than physical events because you have to be on a little bit more. Another tip that I would say is, is really critical is know your audience. So this is mm -hmm. where your marketing team can really like come help you before the event is here's the list of attendees, here's their titles so that your presenter knows exactly who they're talking to. If you're doing yeah. a presentation or a webinar, you want to make sure that you're talking to the appropriate people. And if you don't know who they are, then your content could just miss everybody in the audience. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, another thing that I've seen done at some virtual events that makes a difference is having breakout rooms where mm -hmm. you're not just listening, you're participating. So it's a discussion. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good engagement strategy for any venue, in person or virtual you know, I, personally, when I'm kind of being lectured to, I have a limited attention span for that, you know, again, unless the presenter is really, really good. But if there's some sense of like, oh, I might have a chance to chime in, or I might even yeah. be called upon, or like, we might have a bit of a discussion, then my brain is like, oh, okay, uh, got to think a little bit more, you know, so I think that's, yeah. that can work. Um, have you guys done stuff like that as well? We haven't done virtual breakout rooms, but when we do events that, you know, we host like an all day seminar, we definitely do breakout sessions. We do a live Q and a panel, which is something mm. that we've tried to do virtually. And there are some challenges to it, but it can be done. I think anytime that you give the audience the opportunity to stay engaged and ask questions, then you're going to get a lot more participation. And those Q and a panels just really work so well for us. In person, we also do roundtable discussions. So we break out into small discussion groups and there's a moderator at each table. 
people have the opportunity to ask questions to the moderator around a specific topic. And we find that those are just really a great opportunity to discover like some of the true pain points in IT that our customers are having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, one more thing that comes to mind is the technical aspect of it in that you, there's nothing worse on an online event than five minutes of just technical chaos, right? Mm -hmm. We can't hear you, you know, (laughs) Hey, can you you silence yourself? All the, you know, something goes wrong and already you had a tenuous grip on people's attention span. (laughs) Now you've just lost them. It's like, okay, I, you know, you people don't have your technology, right? I'm not, (laughs) I'm going to go check my email now. And I don't know, I don't know if I'm, you're going to, if I'm going to fully pay attention at all. Yeah, I think there's a, a bingo card floating around the internet somewhere that if somebody says, oh, we can't hear you or you're on mute <laughs> right. or hold on a second, I got to turn my camera on. Again, these are all things that you can go through in rehearsal with your presenters and your participants. However, as we all know, technology will fail inevitably right. at the worst possible time. Your internet will go out and you just kind of got to roll with it. Yeah. You know, I would say do as much as you can to try to control those types of problems from happening. And when they do happen, don't get stressed out, just roll with it. You know, I think this pandemic has and doing things virtually has taught everybody like, Hey, we're human. You're probably going to hear a dog barking in the background at some point when the doorbell rings, or my kid is going to run into the room and show himself on camera. And I think it's kind of humanized us a little bit more. So, you know, when those types of things happen, just roll with it. Don't get stressed out because the audience is going to pick up on that. Right. In fact, you know, I'd say about 50% of these interviews that I do for this podcast uh, that, and I'm doing video as well. There's always one or two moments where either it's me or the guest or both does one of these, like, you know, like someone has walked into the room and you have to glance off and silently communicate, like, get out of here. I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm doing something. No, not now, not now. (laughs) It's just, yeah, we're all used to it. And, you know, it's, and what, but when you have a a virtual event and people have paid for it and there's like hundreds, thousands of people, you Mm -hmm. Right. There, sometimes things are just going to happen. But at the very least, you can anticipate, you know, yeah. that, OK, if this happens, here's what we do. You know, here's our mm-hmm. solution instead of fuddling around for five minutes, 10 minutes trying to fix it. But anyway. yeah, and I would say if you're a marketing professional that's considering using a virtual platform, I don't want to throw specific names out there because I don't want to make yeah. it seem like I'm leaning towards one or the other. But I would encourage you to do your research and perhaps get references from some of the platforms because there was a time last year in early 2020 where platforms weren't even returning people's phone calls because they were just inundated with business, um, which was great for them. But no platform is the same. The pricing is very different. And I will say it is a lot of you get what you pay for. So Hmm. do your research accordingly before you select a specific virtual platform to make sure that it's going to give you all the needs of your event. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, even just over the past year and a half or so, right? At first it was Zoom. Everyone's just like, okay, Zoom is the one. And and Zoom is is quite good, you know. But I I think in the last year and a half there's been at least like a dozen brand new platforms that have appeared, each one at least purporting to be better than 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 the next, but I think they have improved. And there's mm-hmm. lots of innovation. You know, this kind of thing tends to drive innovation. 
people exactly. want to offer the, the best thing, which is, you know, that's, that's good. That's interesting. And it has kind of given real life to that industry, which is good for that industry at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. A couple of ending questions just to shift gears uh, here a little bit. So first, what's a marketing trend or a channel that you think is a little overrated? You know, I think at times some aspects of social media like Facebook, everybody thinks we have to be on Facebook. And I, I'm not slamming Facebook, but again, this is where it comes back to know your audience. In the B2B space, our customers are not going onto Facebook looking for an IT provider or looking for information about how to conduct a security risk assessment. They're just not doing that. So I would say that just because you have to be on social media doesn't mean you need to be active on all platforms. It's just not feasible. This is, again, going back to know your business and know your audience. Yeah, good one. I, I, hear, that a, I hear that a lot, actually. I think more and more people are picking up on that. Like yeah. you just, you try to be on every single platform and you end up doing, doing everything is at least is mediocre or even bad as opposed to focusing like our people are on LinkedIn. Let's be on there and be really, really good at it yes. instead of trying to do everything. So, okay. Question two, same question, except a trend or a channel that you think is a little underrated. SEO. And I know everybody talks about SEO from like a pay-per-click perspective, but I this is where personal experience comes into play. I did a lot of SEO organically at the last mm. company that I was at. And my point here about SEO is that you do not have to spend thousands of dollars to get your SEO to work for you. There's a wonderful tool out there called SpyFu, which will tell you... Um, the statistics of your keywords that are top performing, what fell off the last, the first page, what's almost at the first page. And it allows you to see the results of your competitors as well. So if you're mm. looking to improve your SEO strategy organically, SpyFu is a great tool. And I think that mm. a lot of people uh, put stock in, well, like we have to spend thousands of dollars on pay-per-click and you don't, you mm -hmm. can start small. And then when you get to a place where you're really trying to segment your customers or determine like what you really want to, to promote, then you can do the pay-per-click. Great point. SpyFu, how do you spell that? S-P-Y-F-U. <laughs> Okay. It's a great -E tool and it's very inexpensive. And actually the SEO company that I've worked with for the last five years uses that as part of their reporting and, you know, all of the services that they perform for us. So it's, it's mm -hmm. just such a gem. That's okay. That's cool. I'm going to check that out. You know, I, yeah. I did an interview, just published an episode recently with a guy named Jim Lillig who, and, and it was all about SEO and he made a very similar point. And, and one point that he made was that, you know, it's fine to work with SEO company or whatever, but really no one truly understands your SEO needs better than you. Yes. Because you have that knowledge. You have that institutional knowledge. So you can't just farm everything out. You ha and his point, kind of like what you're saying, it doesn't have to be super complicated. It's mm -hmm. you have used some good tools. It's more you just have to put in the work. You know, yes. there's no quick fix. There's no one solution that fits everything. He he called it like death by a thousand paper cuts. And, and meaning <laughs> that you just accurate. have to like do it and do it and do it and be on top of the details. And it's sort of a never ending thing. But if you do it regularly, then it, then you can win if you're smart about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for your time and for a great conversation. I learned a lot, really enjoyed it. Thank you, Jeremy. I enjoyed it as well. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.